a playlist original. Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we review the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're watching Shrinking on Apple TV+, Plus, Not Dead Yet on ABC, The Ark on Sci-Fi, and The Watchful Eye on Freeform. So stay tuned to the end to find out BJ's least favorite job. I don't know if I want to share that story, but I'll think of something else to share. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Until then, we can talk shrinking on Apple TV+. Jimmy, played by Jason Siegel, is grieving the loss of his wife and decides to take a new approach to coping with loss, breaking the rules of therapy and telling his patients exactly what he thinks. His colleagues Paul, played by Harrison Ford, in a television role, and Gabby, played by Jessica Williams, doubt this strategy, but we do see him start to make some breakthroughs with his patients. One place where he's not making a breakthrough is with his daughter, Alice, played by Lukita Maxwell. So Me Too, you laid out the premise really well in that Jimmy is saying what he wants to say to his patients. How do you handle that? How do you handle this therapist who is breaking all the rules of therapy? I think you have to fully suspend your disbelief about what therapy is in order to watch this show, especially for me as someone who has been to therapy. I just feel like I had to fully take out of my head what I understand to be normal practice of therapy, what my therapists in the past have done. I had to sort of wrap that up nicely, toss it out of my brain, and then I could enjoy the show. 100% agree. You can't bring into this your understanding of therapy because a lot of this behavior from my understanding would get Jimmy fired. In fact, Paul, who seems to be the senior therapist at this practice, should fire Jimmy. Yes. And I loved their chemistry, by the way, between Harrison Ford and Jason Segel, and then between Jason Segel and Jessica Williams, and hopefully we'll see more between Harrison Ford and Jessica Williams. I did not know this was a trio I needed. It feels very much like Only Murders in the Building, where I would never say Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez in a sentence together. But when I saw it, I was like, yes, this makes sense. And so it feels like a very, very strong ensemble cast. And one place where I think it really shines is with Jessica Williams' character. She has a couple really good, I learned through reading about the show, ad-libs of how he's treating his patients that shows maybe what he's doing is ethically not great. I really like that comparison, the only murders in the building. I didn't think about that, but this is a very similar setup. And that worked well, and this works well. And the individual moments, and even when all three are together, show so much history in their relationships without diving into that history. Like, you can just tell the genuine friendship between Jimmy and Gabby. You can tell how much Paul puts up with and also cares for Jimmy based on how they interact. And that's impressive for a pilot episode. Yeah, they did a really good job of establishing relationships, but then just getting straight into the juice. And we certainly did with Sean, played by Luke Tenney, who is one of Jimmy's patients. He is 
coming out of the military and has an issue with violence as his way of coping with whatever he's experiencing. And Jimmy decides to take him to MMA to let him let off steam. And that obviously backfires in this episode. I don't think that is a spoiler for anyone who is processing the premise of this show. And I like that Jimmy didn't just fail up because I think we watch a lot of shows and frankly, see a lot in the news and stuff of like how white men are able to fail up with these ridiculous theories and methods. And in this case, we see Jimmy's new approach sort of blow up in his face in this first episode. And I think it'll be difficult TV to watch, but good TV to watch. Yes, we were definitely watching a car crash happen. And they try to psych you out. You get some moments of Jimmy being excited about his new unconventional, unethical approach, showing some positive signs. It somewhat makes sense that if someone has issues with violence, putting them in a controlled area where they can punch and kick people. I get it. And we see there are ramifications and we see them coming. And I enjoyed and disliked in a good way watching those ramifications come to play. Yes. Before we get to ratings, I want to quickly say Luke Tenney is a star. He was so good on players. I've seen him in a couple other things. And he's just fantastic. So I love seeing him in this role that is like so much meatier than what we've seen in the past. And I think he's really rising to the occasion. And also Jimmy's neighbor Liz played by Krista Miller. Great role on that show. We know that this show comes from Brett Goldstein, Jason Siegel, and Bill Lawrence. And if Bill Lawrence is doing a show, you know Krista Miller, his wife, is going to be in it, and she's going to be a star in it, like on Scrubs, like on Cougar Town. And in this case, she is fantastic as Jimmy's neighbor, who is lovingly telling him to get it together. I really enjoyed the story going on with Liz and Alice and the history there, and what it has to say about Jimmy's wife passing and how everyone's coping with that. And I think that's going to evolve in an interesting direction. And I also like that we get hints about Jimmy's best friend, Brian, played by Michael Urie, who we only see quickly, but there's something there that needs to be explored. Yes, it was so quick, but so juicy. Why don't you want to talk to your best friend? With that... Do you want to watch more episodes of Shrinking on Apple TV Plus? I do. I would watch again, seriously. Apple TV Plus, they don't have all the shows that Netflix does, but they make quality content. And I think this was a well-done show with a cool take on showing a therapist in action, or really inappropriate action. How do you feel? (laughs) I completely agree. I will watch again, seriously. I think it is so good, and I think it'll only get better. So how about we move from therapy to obituaries? You are talking about Not Dead Yet on ABC. Nell, played by noted Fuji's fan Gina Rodriguez, blew up her life as a journalist to follow love that didn't work out. Now she finds herself back in her same town at her old newspaper and now assigned to the deadbeat or obituaries. The twist is her subjects appear only to her. 
Supporting her in this is Bestie Sam, played by Hannah Simone. And we also meet her work nemesis, Lexi, played by Lauren Ash. And this week's lovely ghost of the week is Monty, played by Martin Mull. So me too. Elephant in the room. Let's address it now. This isn't the most unique concept. We've had Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies. I would even put iZombie in this category, Ghosts, which I think is still airing. What do you think about this take on someone who can see dead people and has to help them pass on to the next stage? Didn't feel like it did enough to either be a great entry into the genre or originate off of it to make it sort of unique and different. And I'm not saying this to be shady. I know I called her a noted Fuji's fan, which she is. I do think that Gina Rodriguez is a great actor. And I loved Jane the Virgin. Like, she's so good in it. And I actually had high hopes for this because this was her big return to TV, as far as I understand it, in a leading role. And I just thought for such a strong cast... I wish they did a little bit more. And one place where I think they could have been more efficient is I think they spent too much time setting up emotional stakes and setting the stage. Whereas the sort of 15 second narration at the beginning where she talks about abandoning her career, following her fiance to London and having that relationship blow up, that to me was more than enough to understand where she is, how she's doing, and I thought we could have just jumped into the humor faster. I definitely agree. They spent too much time, in my opinion, on showing us how much in shambles, how much of a mess she is, and where the show really started to hit its stride, still not even in a unique way, but a good way, was when we focused on Nell working with the ghost, working with Monty, learning about his life, so she can also get her own life lessons. She had great chemistry with Monty. That was where it really like stood out for her role. I will say some other people didn't have that issue. Best friend Sam, boss Lexi, roommate Edward. They were all shining from the start. I really liked all the secondary characters. I thought they were so fun. I love seeing Lauren Ash and Hannah Simone back on my screen. And I agree, her roommate Edward was a really great addition to the show. And I think that as the show progresses, the hope that I have for it is we spent this first episode sort of laying the groundwork. So hopefully in future episodes, we're just going to lean into this great chemistry that she has with the ghosts as she helps them resolve their issues, write out their last messages to the world, to their people. And if it goes in that direction where we're getting away from really overstating the stakes and more into the fun of the concept, I actually think it'll be great. That's true. I do wonder how long they can drag out the messiness of her life. Or will she have like ups and downs, which could also be frustrating if she improves and falls back. And there's a whole plot about her ex, which I'm sure will be a bigger deal in the future. Yes. I think that people can be messy for a long time on TV, and it's fun to watch. Sex in the City, great example. Carrie Bradshaw, a mess. Did I tune in for absolutely every single horrible decision? Yes. 
I know people loved the show Girls. I didn't watch past the first season, not for any particular reason. I just fell off. But I know that people loved watching the Girls of Girls truly be messes from the beginning through the very end. So I think a main character that is a mess doesn't get old as long as you keep things fresh around them and you keep their story interesting. Shrinking is a great example. We're just going to watch him make progress and then screw it up for, I imagine, the duration of that show. And so I think there is hope for Not Dead Yet. It is not dead yet. But... (laughs) (laughs) Keep it alive, (laughs) y'all. I do think this pilot episode, in my opinion, could have been much stronger, especially in the humor department, given, again, this, like, stacked cast that they have. You've convinced me. There are definitely times when a mess can continue to be exciting. I'm thinking back to a show that we both enjoyed, Loosely Exactly Nicole. She stayed a mess all those seasons, and it was good. I loved that show. So will you keep watching this show, see if Nell stays a mess, what she does in her next messy decision? I think this is a really solid would-watch-while-folding-laundry show, and I would recommend to anyone else who just enjoys a solid sitcom while they're doing things, I think this is a perfect show for that. I think I would watch while folding laundry. I'm curious where the show goes next. Okay, so why don't we take things from the obits to space? You're talking about the arc on sci-fi? A hundred years in the future, the spacecraft known as Arc-1 suffers a catastrophic event one year from reaching its destination, Proxima B. This causes massive destruction and loss of life. So now the remaining crew must work together to stay on course and survive. Lieutenant Sharon Garnett, played by Christy Burke, takes charge as she's one of the highest-ranking remaining members, along with Lieutenants Lane and Bryce, played by Reese Ritchie and Richard Fleischman. So, Mitu, what did you think of this survival drama in space? It felt very similar to shows we've seen, but I think in this case, it was just a really solid entry into the genre. I wouldn't say that they introduced new to this concept, but it was just really solid. Again, we watched Last of Us this year. We watched Battlestar Galactica last year, and it felt very similar to that. Like, whoopsie doopsie, we're the last people here. Let's see (laughs) if we can figure this out. I agree. The premise is in that original, uh uh-oh, something's wrong with our spaceship. We got to figure out how to survive. And yet, I was engaged. I cared about the cast. I wanted to watch them figure out how to get their water working, how to ration out their food, how to determine leadership. Because one issue, which I still don't understand, is they put all their leaders, their smartest people, all their important people in one room, and that caused a big issue for the crew. Yeah, maybe not the smartest people a hundred years in the future if they have regressed from what we've established as succession plans where you don't have all important people in the same place at the same time, all the time. Like, all the important people. It just feels like (laughs) a really silly choice. And then they had food with them and water. That's true. They lost supplies during this catastrophe. But at least these people are trying 
Some people are filling in for the others. And I think you described this well when we were talking before. It feels like a soap opera because there's a battle for power. There's secret relationships. And people are also hiding information about their past before the arc. Yes, I thought that was the most effective part of the show. This is an ensemble cast of like 30 people or something. We, we meet so many characters in this first episode. And what I think they did so smartly is they didn't waste time trying to make us remember each person. They weren't like giving a random backstories of all these different people. And instead, we just met them where they were, how they were doing and jumped straight in. And I thought that was so smart because then we got to the juice faster. And that is really what engages you. And then later it starts to sink in. Okay, this person does this. This person does that. Until then, I like remembering people by their drama. So I love remembering all the different secret relationships, all the different secret plans for power, all the people stashing things on the ship in case things go awry because of limited resources. And... I thought it was really interesting, this concept that they introduced of maybe not everyone is what they seem, because we learned that Earth was essentially given like 70 years. And so people were very desperate to get on that ship. And maybe they were the right kind of engineer, or maybe (laughs) they were a guy with the right credentials, degree or not, who were able to get on. And so I think that introduces a fantastic concept, too, of who's left to help and what skills does everyone actually have. That's going to be something that was exciting in this episode and moving forward. And I really like that this is a high stakes environment. Literal survival mode. There's not enough water. There's not enough food. There might not even be enough oxygen. Who knows? And... People died in the beginning. Light spoiler, someone dies in this episode. And I think they're going to be more deaths. They're not afraid to show death on this show. And it was a tough death to watch. That let me know they're going to the Shonda Rhimes school of killing your favorite characters because anything for the plot. Yes, check if they are main cast because if not, they are disposable. (laughs) So with that said, do you want to watch more episodes of The Ark on Sci-Fi? I do. I will watch again, seriously. This is a solid sci-fi entry. I agree. I am maybe one step below you. I would watch again casually. If you are not sci-fi hive, I would still recommend this one because there's so much juice that it's kind of like if you put the family from Empire, the lions, on a spaceship It kind of feels like that. And for that reason, I enjoy. Long as it's appealing. (laughs) So let's go from space to Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) We've (laughs) on the watchful eye and freeform, we meet Elena Santos, played by Marielle Molino, who is a young woman with a complicated past. And she has now maneuvered her way into working as a live-in nanny for the affluent Ward family, working for Matthew Ward, played by Warren Christie. She quickly learns that everyone in the building has some secrets and possibly ulterior motives. But what they don't know is that Elena also has secrets of her own. So, Mitu, what did you think of this thriller drama? It was very fun to watch. 
And I think Elena was a wonderful lead character. I think Marielle Molino did a fantastic job with her. And I love that they have a nanny uncovering secrets. As someone who used to wait tables for a really long time, people will really say anything to and around you and not think about it because you are in a service position. I felt this way too when I was a kid and I used to babysit at people's houses. The parents would say just truly anything to me. And I was like, 14 years old. And so I think that a nanny is like the perfect cover to do whatever dirt that Elena is planning to do because people just look through you sometimes. They truly do. And it's weird that Matthew is opening up on her first day. Mrs. Ivy, played by Kelly Bishop, is this rich older woman, the longest resident in the building. She seems to be opening up to Elena very quickly. Tori, played by Amy Acker, who's this mean sister-in-law who doesn't like Elena, is still trusting of Elena as well. Yes. So she's got total access to these people. She doesn't trust Elena, but when Elena offered to clean up Tori's home after a party, Tori was like, cool, I'm going to bed lock up when you leave. I can't think of a more intimate thing than sleeping in a room while someone is walking around my house. I would have to really trust that person. And she had known Elena for, I think, a day, a couple days at this point. Two max. Max. Speaking of suspending disbelief, which we've discussed in other shows today, (laughs) Elena is not as sneaky as I want her to be when she snoops around. Yes. She's literally just walking around in broad daylight, in open room. She doesn't close the door behind her. Like, she's going to get caught quick. By not even the most smart people in the room. Anyone can catch her. She's walking into places. She's talking on her phone. She's like, I'm trying to get the specs tonight. And she was taking pictures of maps of the building in front of the kid that she babysits. Elena is live, laugh, loving out loud. She's doing her thing and people are just like, yep, that's the nanny. And just absolutely not engaging with her very sketchy behavior and obviously faked resume. Ooh, so speaking of that, what do you think of the mystery behind Elena? So good. So juicy. I think they gave us just enough to hook us, but they didn't reveal everything, which obviously will get us to keep watching more. And I think they did such a fantastic job of balancing laying the stakes and the players and the mystery itself and the also surprise supernatural elements of that mystery. I didn't know that there were supernatural elements of the show. And I think that was introduced really smartly as well. Same. That was a complete shock to me. We did have a scene with a teenager who lives in the building, Elliot Schwartz, played by Lex Lumpkin, who I felt like jokingly said the basement was haunted by the guy who built the building. But I guess it turns out the building could be haunted. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) when she went down into that basement, I wrote in my notes, you could not pay me any amount of money to walk around down there. Like, there is no take, there is no prize or whatever it is she's hunting for, we don't want to give it away, that would get me to walk around that basement. 
It was sketchy and large. This is a big building. I would hate that because you don't know what's happening behind you. There are so many doors. It's so dark. There's so many corridors. There are so many points of entry for someone to surprise you or something. And my worry was no one knows she's down there. So what if you get stuck? How are you going to get out? Great question. Exactly the question I had when she couldn't find the door to get out initially. You got service? <laughs> I was like, there it is. She's gone. She's the ghost. That's yeah. <laughs> She's haunting the building. <laughs> <laughs> she was the ghost all along. So, Me Too, will you watch more episodes of The Watchful Eye? Absolutely. Though, a warning for my fellow babies. I was so scared when she was in the basement. It gets scary. And I think it will only get scarier. And BJ is laughing at me silently. But it really was very scary, like a horror movie. So just a warning that that part is scary. And I had to cover my eyes. But otherwise, I thought it was very fun, very juicy. And I will stay tuned in because I especially love rich people mess. And this really delivers that if you are also rich people mess hive. Interesting. I would watch again casually. I do like the mystery. I didn't think it was scary, but it definitely got tense. And the basement scene didn't scare you. No, I was nervous, but not scared. Wow. What is it like to be this brave? Pretty great. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> oh my gosh. So now that we have our ratings, Beach, what is your least favorite job? Or maybe your least favorite thing that you've had to do for money. That sounds creepy when you word it that way. <laughs> more like, I'm sorry, that does sound sketchy. It's more like, I remember my first job in college was working at the museum. And I realized that all my friends had cushy jobs, like help desk jobs where you could study while you worked. Whereas my first job before I got smart and got a little help mm. desk job. And I was working. Like I was Music, Me too was busy. I was really busy. I was filing things. I worked way more hours than I think you were supposed to. I was checking the art that came in and noting where there were scratches for the museum. This all feels like it was maybe too much to assign to an 18-year-old in hindsight. Mm -hmm. But that was a tough job. I worked hard. Like I would be tired coming back from that. I remember. They really kept you busy. There was always stuff for you to do. Yeah, it was too much versus when I got my little cushy help desk job. I could study. I could do homework. <laughs> I could watch shows. It was lovely. I had a summer job. My first job ever. I think I was 16 because my dad had to take me down to like this building to get parent permission to work <laughs> since I was a minor. Uh, and I worked at this like school supply company they like packaged school supplies so students could just order a box full of everything they needed and i was literally like in a factory with a conveyor belt getting these boxes and you scan them and then you had to put in the right supplies but what was annoying was it went really fast so you had to work quickly but then they checked it like later down the line and you kind of got like docked points if you messed up the order. And also, if you scanned the wrong thing, you couldn't like undo the scan. So you had to call and wait for a manager to come 
to like undo it so you could fix your mistake, which just slows everything down. That is awful. What an awful gig. I had no idea you had that job. I only worked there like a month. Then I was like, I'm done working this (laughs) summer. (laughs) I think I told my boss, I was like, I got a math packet and some summer reading. Thank you. I gotta go. Hey, I'm so sorry. I just remembered I'm 16 years old and I don't have to do this. I'm so sorry. I forgot. I think I was saving up for a TV and I think I ended up buying a North Face jacket. So I got something out of it. And you know what? You used to rock the hell out of a North Face jacket. So good for you. Yeah. I think I got a fleece and a rain jacket. I got two. Come on, wealth. Well, that was like all of my paycheck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right, Beach. Where can people find more episodes of the Pilot Podcast? All you have to do is head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com. And you can follow us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the pilot pod and you can send thoughts feelings show recommendations because every other week we do a show recommended by you our wonderful listeners to ask the pilot podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening bye